Well, welcome, Door of Hopians. <laughs> and welcome, Door of Hopian onlineians. Those of you online, it's great to have you here. Let's start today with a prayer. Lord, thank you for today. I give you this message and I ask that you use what is spoken today for your glory. I pray that you soften hearts and open ears to hear what you have to say. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. Fill us with your presence. I pray in Jesus' name. Well, I'd like to start with a question. It's a bit of a weird question, but um, it's for everybody. Who likes fishing? Hands up if you're like, oh my gosh, look at all those hands. I hope there's a few people tapping into the chat. Keep them up. Wowzers. I couldn't think of anything more boring. <laughs> it's about as boring as bat poo, in fact. You know, out there in the hot sun, in the middle of nowhere, smelly fish, smelly bait, disgusting. So, um, but I haven't always disliked fishing. In fact, I used to love fishing, and the reason I used to love fishing was because my dad used to take us as children fishing out in a little boat in the middle of Coles Bay. Now, if you're not from here, Coles Bay is the most beautiful place. Thank you, it's awesome. <laughs> It's a gorgeous place, and Dad used to take us uh, fishing in the middle of the bay. Um, but the reason I liked fishing was because Dad used to use this as a teaching exercise. My father used to teach us how to survive. He used to teach us how to get on in the world, and it was a real special time with just us children and with Dad. And he'd teach us how to put the sinkers on and how to put the smelly bait on, and one of the the, the most favourite things that I had um, was sitting in the back of the boat with Dad. Now, Dad had good reason to teach us how to survive. It's because when he was 14, his father died. And at 14, back then, it was, it was seen that the, the male in the family had to run the family. So Dad worked very hard to survive when he was 14 years old. So he was determined for us to survive and be independent and be strong. Anyway, back to the boat. I used to love going back to the caravan park after we'd finished out in the, um, out in the waters because Dad would give us each a turn at driving the boat. So we had this little, I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember these, had these little, um, this little engine, it was called an Evan Rood. Rood, yes. And it had a handle and you put your hand on the handle and when you turn the handle, you go faster and when you move the handle that way, you go that way. And when you move the handle that way, you go that way. And we used to get a turn at driving the boat. And I love that. Now, it should have been really scary. A lot could have gone wrong. I don't think Mum knew exactly what we were doing. But um, a lot could have gone wrong. But I felt safe. I felt completely safe in that boat when I was driving that boat at the age of probably five or six. <laughs> because my dad was right beside me. And if my hand quavered, if I was at all unsure, Dad's hand would be on top or close by. So hold on to that thought. We'll come back to it in a minute. So now we're starting, well, I'm going to start into uh, the next part of our Desire series. And if you've been following us along, and don't worry if you haven't, but I, I would encourage you to do so, we, we started off with Tony. And Tony talked about desire as not being a bad thing. She said, it's not a bad thing, but left unchecked, it can cause chaos. And then Sandy 
uh, went further with this and she taught us that desire is a gift from God and that his desire for us is for joy and life and it's, it's a desire for the good life with God. And I'm gonna build on this idea today and talk about our human desire to be independent, independent of God, of his resources and of his guidance. So we're gonna do this by looking at the story of Jacob and we've heard a reading already. So in this reading, we hear about the promise of God that he gave to Rebekah, the mother of Jacob, the second born of twins. Now in that day, and it was thousands of years ago, the firstborn was treated very differently to the other children. It was expected that they were the ones, that, that person, sorry, was the one that received the birthright. Now this was a spiritual inheritance. It was the right to lead a family it was an inheritance of great status, but also great responsibility. In the case of Jacob's family line, it was especially important because Jacob came from the line of Abraham. It was a very special line. And his family line would continue on, as we know now. That trajectory of that family line was to lead straight to Jesus. So it was a very special and responsible job. You see, God had it in his mind to make his people a holy nation, a great nation. His desire was to bless them and to love them generously. And he wanted to do that through Jacob. You know, this must have seemed quite surprising to young Rebecca when she heard what God had to say. He made her a promise that he would grant this very special birthright to the younger brother, Jacob, and not Esau. Quite unusual. Let's review that again briefly. So we've got Genesis 25, 23. So we're just looking back at that passage again. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. Before Jacob was born, God chose him. This was God's desire for his people. But what about Jacob's desire? Well, as it turns out, he sort of kind of had two. Two. One that aligned with God's desire, and that was good, and another that was rooted in his humanness, in his humanity. One that led to all sorts of trouble. Do you remember what we talked about a minute ago, that desire is not bad, but unchecked it can cause chaos? Well, Jacob desperately wanted what God desired, which was to see his family line grow and prosper. And this was good. But in his humanness, he chose not to trust God to provide this, but to do it in his own strength instead. You see, although Jacob knew that the birthright had been promised to him, he chose to help God out. He did this in a deceitful and in a hurtful way. His desire was to do things his way, independent of God. Let's return to the story and find out more from Genesis 25, 27 to 34. Once, when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff, for I am famished. Therefore, he was called Edom. Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. 
Esau said, well, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob, Jacob said, well, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and he drank and he rose and he went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now just to clarify, swearing is not saying swear words. And I see children in the, it's not saying swear words. It's making a promise or an oath. It was taken very seriously. Esau didn't crave or strive for the things of God. His heart and mind was on his belly. He thought so little of his birthright that he sold it for a bowl of stew. Jacob loved what God loved, however, so God chose him over his brother. But he was a broken human, and so was his mother. Rebecca, the person who had received God's promise firsthand, was just as guilty of not trusting God. She desperately wanted the birthright for her favourite son. Plus, when the boys grew older and their dad more weak and frail, there was the issue of a parental blessing from their father, Isaac. This, like the birthright, was a really big deal. It was another traditional expectation that when the head of the household was on his last legs, he would take the oldest child aside and put his hands on them and he would promise all the wealth and the status of the family leader, the blessing. Now, Rebecca knew about this tradition. In fact, everybody knew about this tradition and she was starting to get a little bit nervous because Isaac was looking pretty old and crusty. So she hatched up a scheme. She set up a situation with her favourite son, Jacob, so that he would be given that very special blessing. She did it her way and not God's way. Jacob then chose to listen to her rather than trust the promise yet again. They colluded and they cheated and they, they got the blessing that way. The next bit's a really big, long passage, so I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to sort of give you a, a Tracy summary, if that's okay. Okay, here we go. Esau was a hairy bloke and loved hunting. Jacob was not so hairy. Isaac was old and pretty blind, so as per tradition, he asked for his firstborn to come to him so that he could give the family blessing. A big deal, remember? Lots of money, lots of property. Jacob, at Rebecca's prompting, switched places with his brother, but put some hairy goat skin on his forearm and wore his brother's smelly hunting gear. Let's read the next bit as Isaac is a little bit suspicious, as you could imagine. Uh, Genesis 27, 21 to 29. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether or not you are really my son Esau. So Jacob went up to his father Isaac, who felt him, and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognise him because his hands were hairy like his brother, Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, oh, bring it to me, that's the food, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. 
May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Deceit. Lies and more lies. Jacob was so desperate to gain what was already his, he ended up causing chaos. The consequences of this were immediate, but they were also long-lasting. In fact, for generations afterwards, there were echoes of tension between the families of these two boys, and that continues in that region today. So Esau was angry, their father was angry, and it all went sideways, chaos. But Isaac calmed down, then sent Jacob on his way. Jacob took off to the hills to live with his uncle because Esau was so cross, he was keen to see him dead. You know, let's cut poor Jacob a bit of slack here. He did the wrong thing for the right reason, but so do we. Have you ever heard of the term, the end justifies the means? We have all done things thoughtlessly or impetuously. Well, I have. You see, as children, we are taught to do things for ourselves. We're repeatedly encouraged to be independent, self-sufficient and strong. We admire independence here in Australia. We rely, oh, sorry, to rely on others is seen as a weakness. Is there anyone here who struggles with directions? Yeah, yeah, huh? Oh, good, there's some women's hands going up. That's amazing. Does anyone here or online um, ignore the instructions on a flat pack and go straight to the building? Just, yeah, all the boys' hands are going up now. Thank you, fellas. <laughs> Here's one for everybody. Has anyone here or online not followed their parents' advice? There's some young people down here. Ah, oh, the hands are staying down. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Look, I remember my son as a toddler throwing a whopper of a tantrum when I wanted to hurry him out the door and try to help him with his gumboots. Can you imagine what he did? Me do, me do. That's what he said, me do. Now, is that a bad thing? Well, perhaps not. The desire to grow and learn and be independent of your parents is a necessary part of childhood. But when this desire goes unchecked, there is chaos. We're not meant to make big decisions on our own. Things go much better if we consult. Independence is just fine when it coincides with healthy consultation with others and dependence on God. We are designed to live in community with God as the head, fully reliant on the guidance of his word and of the Holy Spirit. A dear friend who's in heaven now once said to, uh, said to me, he said, we should live life like a frog, fully reliant on God. I love that. It's not mine. I said, oh, I won't take any credit. But, you know, it's not easy, is it? We have pressures and temptations that can lead us to do things our way. We have cultural expectations, our friends, the demands of family and society. And Jacob had these too, so not much has changed. Just do what I say, said Rebecca. 
you can see why he felt the need to do what he did. And sometimes we pursue independence beyond childhood for other reasons. Sometimes we do it because we're a little impatient or we don't trust or believe that God will do what he says he will do despite his clear promises, the promises of the Bible. Can I, so I'm going to ask you a question and, think, and I would like you to think. Do you believe God's promises are really true? I know I've wrestled with it. Do you really believe the promises are true? Have you ever read his promise for healing and yet you're still sick? Or have you heard him say that he has a, a future planned for you but you're still unemployed? Maybe you've read that he's never going to leave you but you're still so dreadfully alone. Well, there is hope. His promises are all true. We don't have his perspective. We can't see what he sees or know what he knows. We don't have all the answers. We can't. He's God and we're not. Isaiah 55 verse 9, and I'm sorry there's no slide for this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, his ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So let's learn from Jacob. His fierce independence didn't work. So whatever battle you're facing at the moment, don't try to do this on your own. We are made for godly dependence, not earthly independence. Did you notice that neither Jacob nor Rebecca prayed before they actioned their little plan? Seek a wise friend, talk, pray, Take the guidance that Jesus in his word offers us. And let's learn from Jesus. Jesus faced many situations that, where he could have cashed in his divine credit card. He could have pulled the I'm God card. In the desert, for example, when he faced the temptation, he chose to do things God's way and stay within earthly limitations. On the cross, he chose not to release his bonds or magically heal. He could have. He was fully God and fully human, but he chose not to. And instead, in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was crucified, he prayed, not my will, but yours, Father. Then he waited and he trusted the Father's will. He trusted his life into the hands of his Father. We all wrestle with temptation and worldly pressure. pressure, But hang in there, there is hope. If we return to the story, Jacob fled. He left. Then he had to serve 20 years of hard labour before he could return home. God blessed him though, as he promised he would. He gained wealth and family. He gained the love of his life and finally he gained his freedom. Jacob matured over time, but he continued to manipulate outcomes that God had already put into place. But one night, we see him undergo a significant mental shift. Jacob wrestles with God. He becomes determined to cling on to God during that altercation and not let him go. 
Like the grasping of his brother's heel when he came out of the womb, Jacob chose to cling to God with everything he had. This new desire was so strong that God changed his name. He shifts from independence to dependence, from self-reliance to God-reliance. And we'll just look at this, this passage here. Genesis 32, 22 to 30. That same night, he got up and took his two wives, his two maids and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything he had. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Then the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. He struck him on the hip socket and Jacob's hip was, hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you, let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. You, for you have striven, uh, striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life is preserved. So Jacob personally received God's blessing. He was given the desires of his heart, but only when he chose to rely on his reliable God and not himself. As the story unfolds, and I'm not going to tell it, Jacob then faces a lot more hardships, scary moments with his brother and other trials. But each time from that point onwards, he prays. He prays and he trusts are you going through something right now and wrestling with God about it? Or are you still wrestling with what God, Jesus and the Bible are all about? Well, I can offer you three things, three things that Jesus did, three things that he modelled for us so that we can follow. And the first is to trust. Trust. Jesus trusted his father with his life. And so can we. Just as we need to get, sometimes we just need to get out of the way. And once we do that, we are freed up to watch what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others. The second is to pray. Pray and plan. Pray as we plan. We have learned today from a very broken, naughty, deceitful man how not to plan without prayer how not to do things with our own resources, but also how good God is despite us being this way. If the Father could plan the future of a whole, holy nation through such a devious soul, then he can plan the future for us too. We don't have to do it our own way. God is God and we are not. Thirdly and finally, I ask you about surrender. We do not surrender our choice. We don't surrender that. We surrender our control. Letting go of the reins doesn't have to be scary. Do you remember the story of my dad and the little boat? 
Driving our own boat is an exhilarating experience, but only because we have our Heavenly Father right beside us in the stern of the boat. There is no need to fear. He knows where you're going. We can just enjoy the ride. But don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. Be still and know that He is faithful. Be still and know that He is dependable. Be still and know that He is God. He's got this. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jacob. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, help us to trust you as we face this fragile and uncertain world. Remind us that when we plan, we do it together, together with each other, together with you in prayer. Lord, show us the joy that is possible in surrendering to you. Show us that when we sit in the back of the boat with you, we are safe and free. Help us to experience the exhilarating rush that comes from doing life with you, with you right there beside us, with your hand on the rudder, not ours. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name.